Hello, hello. Welcome to Hygiene Elevated Conversations and Innovations. We are honored to have our guest, Matthew Bradley, the guy genist, join us today. Um, we are very excited to hear your perspective um, on hygiene school, what it's like being a male in a female-dominated field. So, Matthew, that being said, I'm going to kind of give you the floor. I want to hear your background, your story, um, and where you're at in school. So, welcome. Sweet. Thank you. Uh, well, first off, thanks for just having me. Um, I met Joffrey first because I was desperate for patients, and so we met on LinkedIn, and she came and let me do uh, some of her cleaning, and then I met Amanda later at Joffrey CE course. So uh, just super grateful for this opportunity that you guys gave me. Um, yeah, so uh, I grew up in California. Right now I'm in Utah and I go to Fortis College, which is a two and a half year accelerated program. Um, and I'm coming up on finishing in my first year and a half so I only have a year left after December Woo. um I have been working also as an assistant for over the past three years um so have some experience like working as a male um, as an assistant which is also pretty female dominated um <laughs> as well so yeah that's, that's a little bit of my background okay now I got to meet you, like you said, at Joffrey's CE course, and I don't think I've ever heard a student have such a specific drive and a passion with a personal story quite like you have. And that's one of the reasons you're on the podcast. I was like, um, we need to have him on here. He's fantastic. So tell me your, your motivation to become a hygienist. It wasn't your first choice. Um, and now you're no. on a very, very specific path and very passionate about that. Tell us about that. Yeah, for sure. So it was definitely a long journey for me. Um, growing up, I was always super interested in dentistry. I loved my dentist. He was super awesome, like very encouraging, um, you know, how we always like give goodie bags to patients. Well, he knew I was interested. And so he like wanted to kindle that. So he would like give me like tools or gloves or like just like extra stuff like that to kind of, <laughs> of like add some fire to it, I guess. Um, I was super awesome. Um, and then he moved and I had to find a new dentist and he, he was great. Don't get me wrong, but he wasn't like the same level of encouraging as my, my other dentist. And, um, I, I struggled like most kids do, um, with having cavities and discouragement from going to the dentist every single time. And it was never good news. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so that, initial interest that I had with dentistry died pretty quickly. <laughs> like once I got into high school. Um, and then I, after graduating high school, I, I went to Argentina to serve a, a mission and I was there for two years. And in Argentina, they don't drink water as much because the water can have like parasites and stuff like that. Um, so it, it was like a lot of drinking soda and stuff that's horrible for your teeth, as we know. And I went to a dentist there and she said I had, I don't know, like five cavities or something like that. And I was like, well, just add it to the list. I wasn't <laughs> surprised by that. Um, yeah. And so when I went in for the, the procedure to just get the fillings done, uh, she didn't give me any anesthetic. And at first it was just like a little twinge of pain. And then she kept going like deeper and deeper. 
and deeper. And like, it got to the point where like, every time that like, I heard like the handpiece, my entire body, except for my mouth would be like shuddering. And I was like trying to stay still. Um, it was just extremely painful. And I didn't know Spanish super well at the time. So like, I didn't know how to tell her to stop and help me. And it was awful. And then I, I I went back again to get like another feeling done. And then when I left, it was like a similar experience. But when I left, I realized that she had left like the little metal band, which I now know is a matrix band. was like in my mouth so she had like taken like the Toffelmeyer off but the band was still there yeah and it was like a temporary feeling that I had some peanuts and it like all fell out so those two teeth needed root canals I know. <laughs> and oh my gosh yeah yeah so if you're ever in, uh, in Argentina don't don't go to a dentist Oh my God. Um, Not that one, anyway. <laughs> so yeah, I, I needed a, a root canals. Um, I I got both of those done while in Argentina. Uh, one of them was fine. Another one, they like missed a canal, and I had to get it redone when I got back home, and all this stuff. And so, um when I, when I got back home and I'd been through this large struggle and, and it, and this has been like a struggle for my entire life. Like I always had issues uh, with like cavities and stuff. And I, it kind of came to like a crossroads where I was like, well, I could either continue to be almost like dictated by fear of like my problems and my past, or I could embrace what's happened to me and focus on others and helping them have a better experience. So initially I wanted to do that by becoming a dentist and helping people have, have more pleasant experiences than what I did. Um, and so then while in my pre-dental journey, uh, I decided to become an assistant to get some more experience and get my feet wet kind of also with COVID school shut down and I needed something else to do. So uh, I got trained as an assistant, was working as that. And then once I got more into the field, I realized that my values didn't real align so much along with having a more pleasant experience as much as just not having the experience in general of being able to prevent cavities. You know, once I found out that caries was the most common preventable disease and that all we do is treat it and don't focus as much on prevention. I was like, I'd, I want to be a part of that change and help people that were like me that had similar struggles. Cause I, I don't feel like I'm necessarily in the minority with that. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's a lot of people that have struggled and then, um, you know, you go to the dentist and like, ah, oh, got to get fillings, brush your teeth and floss. And I was like, I am. And but there's there's more that we can do to to help people. So that's why I switched to to hygiene. So yeah, I, that's uh that's it. <laughs> I gosh, I don't know that I would have persevered in dentistry had I had a bad experience like you did. Um, I honestly like I came to the conclusion of hygiene because I was like, oh yeah, my hygienist, she was awesome. I enjoyed her. Never even thought about my dentist. He was a smoker. So <laughs> I know, right? Weird. Like at the time I didn't think about it, but yeah, he'd be outside smoking <laughs> before like as you walk in, like the door, the entrance to the practice and his office like were parallel. So like you could he'd be like outside smoking as you walked up for your appointment. So I, I just never even thought about it. I don't know. <laughs> but so Amanda, oh, what was the reason you chose hygiene? Um so that's a whole other story. Honestly, I did not ever think about dental hygiene. I never thought about healthcare. Um, I figured I would go into either like information technology or computer science and um, 
it didn't work out. I was at a whole other college, came back home, felt like a failure. I didn't know what I was going to do. I wound up being at a college that I felt like I was a total loser being there. And I literally had a cry out to God moment and thought of my hygienist um, <laughs> in the most real way. and never thought of her before in my life outside of like her in my face, mm -hmm. cleaning my teeth. And that's how I chose it. What about you? You know what? Um, the the real reason I chose hygiene is because I thought it would be a great job to have and work part time. Yeah. Um, in my childhood, my mom would work two jobs sometimes. My mom would work in the morning. My dad would or my dad would work in the morning. My mom would work at night. Like they just hustled really hard, and they they did a great job. They they did a great job providing for my sister and I. Mm -hmm. But I just knew. I wanted to have a family and I didn't want to work as hard as my mom did. And hygiene seemed to fit that. So it was more like, yeah, I want to work part time. But then um, then I just fell in love with it and became so passionate. And now I'm me. And <laughs> <laughs> now it's like it's where I'm where I belong, you know, but it uh, was just by chance. I was like, yeah, I want to really just work part time. It really backfired on you, didn't it, Joffrey? <laughs> yes, it did. You know, um, when my husband and I were dating, I told him, you know, I really only plan on working part time like my whole life. So if that's a deal breaker, like it is what it is, you know, and he was like, no, that's OK. But it's hilarious. Now I work every single day just about. <laughs> so my husband still cannot get his head around the fact that most dental offices are only four days a week. He's just like, what? Like, what do you do with your fifth day? I'm like, plenty. I do plenty. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, so Matthew, we all know that most of the hygienists are female. What is it like being one of the very few males in your hygiene program? Uh, yeah, so the very first day, I remember orientation. So at, at Fortis, it's, there's hygiene, nursing, medical assisting, all sorts of other things. And so orientation was the nursing students and the hygiene students. We were all together in the same room and I saw a decent amount of guys and I was like, okay, let's go. All right. We got some other, <laughs> some other guys in my, in my cohort. And then when we split nursing and hygiene, <laughs> I was the only guy. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember just like sitting in that room and I was like, oh, was this the right decision? <laughs> like, I don't know. Um, but luckily, uh, you know, I, I said I've worked as an assistant. And so I think that also being a more female dominant um, profession is something that kind of helped me get used to that already. And now for the most part, I don't even really think about it. I'm so used to it. It's been a year and a half with my cohort in my school. So it's not as much of a, of a factor more outside of school, or if there's like a new teacher, then I'm a little bit more of an anomaly and they're, they're fascinated with me. I'm like the, the new <laughs> kid or whatever. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's been, been very positive and, and I found that people are super encouraging. Um, like whenever I go and I'll go temp in an office as an assistant or just meeting hygienists like like you guys or other people at other events. Um, they're always super supportive of me and they're like more more males need to get into into hygiene. Um, so it's it's been great. There's been really good positive responses for the most part. That's so awesome. I we only had one male in our cohort of 24, um, Elmer, who we will have on the podcast at some point. Um, hardest working person I've ever met in my life. Like a dad. Oh, you have like, to tell him about Elmer. You oh, have to. Elmer was the best. Like we were partners for everything. And he, like dad of eight, supported his family through school, um, worked graveyards and like did all of our research papers <laughs> during graveyard shifts. And, but honestly, Elmer is just like the hardest working person. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and I heard you correctly. Eight children. It's, I believe it is eight. Oh, eight children. So crazy. Yeah. Uh, 
supported his family, but like not only did hygiene school, made it through boards, went on to get his master's, and now he um, is a program director down in Las Cruces. So uh, just honestly, hardest working, best person on the planet. Like very grateful that I got to have Elmer as my best bud. Plus there was no drama with Elmer. So that was very nice. (laughs) He was too busy. (laughs) He was too busy. Yeah, it was great. Like his wife liked me. So he was never, she was never worried about anything. I was like, I just, I just want a friend. And so, yeah, Elmer was awesome. But okay. So going back to your motivation um, and kind of your change in plans going from dental to dental hygiene how has your perception of the pre- uh, profession evolved since you began your hygiene program? Um, yeah, so part of my struggle with initially deciding to choose hygiene and shifting from like pre-dental to, to dental hygiene was... Um, obviously because there aren't as many males. And so I wasn't sure if that was just an anomaly and there wasn't really a reason why, or if it was because it wasn't a great, great job, like to support a family or like Joffrey said, people just want to work part-time and be moms. Like if it wasn't very conducive to growth, and after starting in my studies and meeting other hygienists, obviously you can do like the, the part-time, be a mom, like it's a great job for that. But there's also a lot of people that are motiv- motivated to increase the profession that are very passionate um, about work beyond just in the op and and increasing opportunities like for everyone. Uh, So I think that's something that changed in a, in a very positive way is that I just wasn't sure how many people were out there that wanted more than just basic clinical dental hygiene. Oh, there are so many. It's, it's so eye opening to meet all these Mm -hmm. fun providers that are doing cool stuff like Amanda and I it is so neat to like cross paths with them yeah and not to plug RDH under one roof but I feel like RDH under one roof is like the cream of the crop people that are like really wanting to go next level do something different different avenues it's it was huge and eye-opening for me when we went the first year And, you know, the second year we did RDH evolution and that was like completely next level. And now we're, I feel neck deep into it, which is awesome. But I know we're really just kind of dipping our toe in the water of, of all the possibilities that are out there. So yeah, the possibilities truly are endless. And I think with your motivation, Matthew, you're, you're really going to go far. Um, You know, Amanda, I want to say too, like how cool it is that the, um, the hygiene community is with supporting one another like it's not a competition out here we're like let's go together let's all be amazing let's all give back let's all do these cool things and um entry level hygiene for me seemed a little competitive a little it's cutthroat yeah and then once you once you get out of that and you're like this next level of thinking, next level of provider, and you're really trying to pay it forward. All mm-hmm. of a sudden, you're surrounded with these like these really cool people, and you're like, "Where where have you been this whole time?" You know? Yeah. No, honestly, I can mm-hmm. I can speak to that. My I think I've told Joffrey my story of like I failed my anesthesia board, and I wound up working with that board examiner at a, my first job, and she was potentially the oh, worst sh- person on the planet. Geez. Um, no. And, and after working with her, I kind of realized I probably didn't actually fail. Um, she, I had multiple flat tires. She tried to get a patient to call the board on me, like just very, nothing made sense. And so it was, I don't know why she had it in for me. (laughs) I didn't know her, but, 
Um, it was it was a very bad first experience, and I don't know why I stayed at that office as long as I did. But um, yeah, I can attest to that. Very cutthroat. Hygienists were known as divas back in the day, and you know, very territorial. And it's completely not that when you get out of out of that. So, yeah. You know, um, so, okay, so this is Matthew. There's the, the mindset of like hygienists want to sometimes put like a photo up in their operatory, right? Like maybe a picture of you and your wife or a Christmas card or, or, or something, right? Just a photo that you like and it's the room you work in all the time. Uh, well, it felt like back in the day, if you did that, you were being very territorial, like, mm-hmm. no one else could have that operatory because you claimed it with your family photo. And I was always so, like, mm-hmm. like oh, I don't want to be territorial, so I would never put a family photo up. I was just, just I'll work in any room. I don't care. It's fine. And then um, just this year, in January, when I started working in Park City, um, I put up a bulletin board and I have some Polaroids that my kids have taken and there's pictures of us on vacation and I have my license up there and I've got like staging and grading posters and, and it, it's just a really cute bulletin board. But this, it took me eight years of being a hygienist before I actually put a photo out and um, nobody cares and I was like really worried about it the whole time I was like oh my gosh they're gonna think this is only my space but the um the environment <laughs> I've built in the practice is you know I'll work in any room you can work in mine I don't even care don't ignore the photos who you know it doesn't matter and uh, but there was just that stigma to it that you can't it's bad it's like faux pas if you put a photo up um so, Matthew, do you have any plans on putting photos in your operatory? <laughs> I have a Christmas tree up in mine. I don't so want to be territorial I, either. <laughs> I am I am territorial. I put a Christmas tree up. So, it is oh, there you go. my space. <laughs> I think photos should should exist. I mean, I if I was working at that like office, I would I would probably want the I'd probably want the Christmas tree up. <laughs> Everybody should want a Christmas tree up in their op. But are there photos in your operatory? <laughs> no, and that is a problem. I think you need a Christmas card. I do need a Christmas card. Sorry. I may have to send one just to you. I don't really do cards, but <laughs> <laughs> you can put the Bunglin family in your operatory. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just kidding. Don't put me up. Put you up in there. Okay. <laughs> Matthew, I think you should put photos up. I think everybody should Don't do that. Don't forget to send I one to that... so I can put it in my clinic. <laughs> <laughs> we'll both Done. send you Christmas cards so you can put some Christmas <laughs> cards in your, your student op. That will be fantastic. <laughs> okay. Getting back to the topic. What have been the most significant challenges that you've faced during your dental hygiene studies and what has been the most rewarding thing? Um, so challenges, finding patients, obviously. Um, yeah, because you're out of state. That's rewarding, tough. I think another challenge... Yeah. Yeah. So I don't have like family um, in the area as much. So there's been a lot of, a lot of marketing, uh, talking to random people, trying to <laughs> just go to Subway, get a sandwich, be like, Hey, can I clean? <laughs> um, um, but I'd say another challenge, and I think this is probably pretty universal with hygienists is, um, a lot of us are pretty perfectionists and there's a bit of a, at least for me, there's a bit of a rude awakening going into clinic where I'm like, ah, it's easy. Just adapt it and scrape it off and it's fine. It's easy. (laughs) And uh, it's not. (laughs) And so I think um, being, being patient with myself has been something that's been difficult. Um, 
But when I am and I'm able to see those small improvements, I would say those are super rewarding when I'm able to just focus on the small victories and um, improve a little bit. You know, I, I still have another year of school. So if I improve a, a little bit for another year, like that'll be I'll be looking pretty good at the end. Um, but sometimes I, I'm I'm hard on myself and I have a hard time being patient and just like going through the process. I, I want to be, want to be the perfect hygienist right now, even though I in my third quarter of clinic or something like that. So yeah. like, I don't have any experience. <laughs> it's called that, that's been great. And then also just opportunities to, to help people. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So just continuing to 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 practice and and see those improvements has been super rewarding for me. That's awesome. I think it is important to like stop and celebrate those victories. Um, I think for me, I remember specifically, I would get my I don't know how Fortis did it, but University of New Mexico. You know, we would have um, processes for our clinic. And you would know what all of your requirements were and what you had to be proficient at. And I had like a pace of like, I am going to be done a month before clinic is over with all of these if I can. And that was like my, my set goal for myself was to be done with all of those ahead of time. So that way I wouldn't be stressed that last month. So that was, that was my mental game that I played with myself. Um, but yeah, that was like a big victory whenever I checked all those boxes of competencies. So I would have to say one of the biggest challenges when I was in hygiene school was that we had um, these like, they call them PPEs or some, some little acronym. I don't even know, but you had to like pass them off, right? You had to be proficient at whatever yeah. it was. And the first couple you had to read verbatim and you had to have this entire sheet memorized. It was typed up in like point ten, like 10 font. Like it was so tiny and it was this whole sheet and you had to go through like <laughs> about your PPE and how you were going to like wipe and clean the room and you had to like hit it in order and you had to say it verbatim of like how you were going to do things. <sighs> and so we go to pass it off and they're like, oh, it's easy. You just do what's on the paper and I mean mind you I have a six month old I'm like I didn't even I didn't memorize the paper we have to memorize this so I like tried it and I, that was the only like pass off I ever failed was the very first one where we talk <laughs> about our PPE and I'm like <laughs> thinking I am the biggest moron ever <laughs> how can I not do this so um it was that memorization that was so challenging for me and first semester was over and I wanted to quit hygiene school. I was Aww. done. I'm like, this is so hard. This, this is incredible. I don't know what I was thinking doing this. This is way too hard for me. I don't want to do it. And my husband was just like my biggest supporter. And he was like, um, Joffrey, you can't because now you're $10,000 in debt. You need to finish the program through. <laughs> and I'm like, this is okay. a financial commitment, so yes, you will. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, okay, I'll do my best. <laughs> but, I mean, I'm so fortunate for his support, and I look back at it, and I'm like, oh, I'm so glad he didn't let me quit because I was just too hard that first semester. But then, um, Matthew, I also wanted to share with you, um, right when the, the last semester, it just became review. We were just reviewing everything they had instilled in us, the entire program. And then all of a sudden, it was so easy. Everything was just like clicking at the end. It was just review, review, review. And um, by the time I went to go take my boards, like the board exam, like the big one, you know, it was it, it wasn't as difficult as I had thought in my head. Like I thought this, I'm never going to pass this test. It's going to be way too hard. And then the questions that were coming up, I'm all, that's all they're asking? Sure, I know that. Like, no problem. So I just went from having like zero confidence <laughs> to being like super confident by the time the program was over. Mm. That's, well, that's heartwarming. 
No, I have I have a funny story about the about the PPE. Let's hear it. So I when I had to pass off my the we call them SEs. Um what I don't even remember what that stands for. Skill evaluation, I think. Um sounds like but it. one of the first ones was was PPE and I I messed up on two things and it was not having my hair up <laughs> and <laughs> I forgot to mention that we have to have like only one piercing because <laughs> I don't have either of those. Wait, one pair of what? One piercing. Oh. One, 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 like one piercing per ear. Oh, like ears or oh, something. Like, okay. What? Well, I doesn't even apply. have two. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Oh, that is so funny because you don't have hair to put up and you don't have piercings. So that's, that's why you so for, the, for the longest time, like whenever I would pass off PPE, the first thing I would say was that you have to have your, your hair up. All semester long. Uh, don't forget to put your hair up. That that honestly seems a little sexist because yeah. females can First also thing. have short hair. Let's just be real. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> just don't have your hair in the patient. How about that's a fair rule of thumb. Yeah, be reasonable with your hair, perhaps. <laughs> okay. So with some of these challenges, <laughs> have you had any mentors or role models who have guided you through this journey in hygiene? Um, I wouldn't say there's like anyone specific. Um, I'm super grateful to be in school during this day and age of technology where I'm able to connect with people all over the place. Um, so there's, there's lots of opportunities to have mentors in that way. But um, personally, honestly, just any hygienist or dentist or even assistant uh, that I meet, I, I feel like everyone has value and has their ideas and their experience and and it's all unique and can be beneficial as long as I'm just willing to listen and learn from others and so just any professional that I, I come in contact is a it's a great mentor um, I mean obviously my my teachers are are some of those people where they have that experience um, and they're able to teach us more like real world applications and um, how to be a more well-rounded clinician while in school and then also beyond. Um, but yeah, really just anyone that, that I meet, I, I try to learn from and use as a, as a, a mentor or example of either what to do or what not to do, um, depending on their, their personal ex experiences and how I can apply that to my experience. I think that's, that's a very wise um, philosophy, philosophy for life. Um, being able to recognize that everybody that you come in contact with, there's something that you can learn from them, positive or negative. Um, there's always something that you can learn. So um, it sounds like you need Elmer in your life. You need my Elmer to be your mentor. <laughs> Not to um, connect those two together. <laughs> yeah. I think we all need Elmer in our lives. You, I think that's a universal does. need. Yes, everybody needs Elmer. He was so much fun. Our operatories were also back to back from each other. And we were in summer clinic one time and the air conditioners were broken. It was so frustrating. It, in, in New Mexico, in June, it's hot. It's 100 degrees already. And I'm in the middle of working on a patient and I feel this cold sensation going down my back. And I turn around very quickly and there is Elmer with the air water syringe cooling me off. With water. 
I was like, I don't know if I should be mad at you or happy right now. Oh, thank you. <laughs> was in place. Thank you. <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> well, okay, Matthew, I want to ask you about social media. I love following your Instagram page. You've been making some like really fun reels lately. Do you plan on continuing that after like graduation or is this just a student thing? Like what's your plan? Um, you, you know, so that's a, that's an interesting question. Um, so after, I don't, I don't know if I ever told you this Joffrey, but I was kind of talking to Amanda about this at the C. Um, but like how I, after, after graduation, I want to own my own hygiene practice. And, um, I think a huge part of owning a business now is like your social media presence and if you're able to have like a positive um yeah presence and, and following then that lends itself to like more success so it's it's a it's an experiment for right now i'm just kind of like messing around and and trying to understand more about social media and like how to be more effective i guess um so yeah, it's it's something for now, and then yeah, I want to I want to continue, and, and I think it's a it's a great way to um, give access to other people, you know, for for education, you know, whether that's uh, different professionals giving them your your experience or little tips, you know, like like this, or you know, like um, a big one is like Hygiene Edge, that's great for professionals, or there's more educational accounts that are great for um, patients and just the general population to raise awareness of oral health and different strategies that we can do to um, in increase the effectiveness of like our home care and things like that. So uh, no, I, I definitely want to continue to try and learn and, and grow in that space. Matthew, did you know you were golfing with the famous Shelly Brown from Hygiene Edge? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I did know that. <laughs> I'm like her biggest fan. I love yes. Shelly so much. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it, was super, it was super cool to talk to her and, and learn about like her experience. And um, like we, we talked about her because I, I was at the – the lobby day this year where they were talking about um, increasing access to care in Utah um, by not ha having to have a, I can't remember the exact term, but like the written agreement between the dentist and hygienist um, so that they can go to like home care facilities and, and provide care. And so it's like talking to her about, that and other opportunities so i mean and that and that's like from social media being able to have those connections so that was those are the kind of the things that i think about as like my my mentors and um people that i look up to able to make those connections now if i remember correctly your wife is a content creator for doTERRA correct what yeah Okay, is she helping you with your social media? No, she probably should though, because it's <laughs> it would be a lot better if she did. <laughs> <laughs> okay, going back to your goals, Matthew. She has um, she has enough going on though. <laughs> going back to your goals with social media and every everything, just trying to get that idea of how to have that great online presence. Um, do you follow Dr. Hank of Happy Tooth, Salt Lake City? He is the best. He is the absolute best. His yeah. Their social media page is pretty cool. I want to be there. Like, I would want to work there if it wasn't a pedo office. I would want to work there. 
and they have like the the basketball court and all of like the little games for the kids and yes. stuff yeah I see that, I that's that's, that's a great like social media presence where I'm sure he's brought in so many patients from mm-hmm. just that I think I've referred people over. I'm like, if I have kids, heck yeah, that's where I'd want them to go. You know, we should have had a- them sponsored today's show, Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> I would just love to meet them. Are you kidding? So, <laughs> I I love I love his practice philosophy and just the concept behind his practice, like having a better experience, but still being able to treat patients, but like meeting kids where they're at and not just overstimulating them with screens in every room. Yes. What the heck are we doing? So I love how chill he is. Um, yeah. I, I think there needs to be some more pedo offices like that. Um, I think the other thing that's great with social media is like it increases your transparency So, like, other people are able to see, like, the the philosophies of Happy Tooth without intimately knowing or or experiencing the office. Like, they're able to have an idea of what those philosophies are just from the internet and from that transparency. Yeah. A lot of Which I think is something that's super valuable that isn't as typical in at least in dental settings. Like I feel like you go onto a website and it's kind of ambiguous of like what it looks like or what philosophies are. And then having that social media presence, I think is a good way to, uh, yeah, just be more transparent for the public. I think it's a, it's a great way to connect. Like literally without, for instance, using Dr. Hank, never met the guy never plan on walking into an office, but I feel comfortable going in there and I have a good sense of who he is and how he practices. So I think that gives you a lot of comfort um, in who your provider is and a a really good idea of what you're going to be dealing with personality wise. And so, yeah, I think you have a really good point there. Yeah. Matthew, I think this is the perfect segue to ask you about your community involvement. Like are there specific community outreach or advocacy sorry initiatives um, related to dental hygiene that you're passionate about? And how do you hope to contribute to the community as a dental hygienist after graduation? Yeah. Um, so my school, we just did uh, third party organization that um, increases access to care for uh, less fortunate people. So, and, and I, I helped out in earlier this year, like July or something like that. And you know, there they had like mammogram screenings or, um, lots of lots of different um healthcare providers and we were able to go and and help give cleanings and uh i think the university of utah dental school was there and we were able to help them like with their exams and stuff like that and that that was um a great opportunity and then with my spanish speaking background and my personal experience with um, that side of, of dentistry and, and culture, uh, there's a huge gap of education when it comes to chin. And so that's that's something that um, going forward, I, I really am trying to do. Like in school, I'm really trying to focus on having a um, Hispanic based population and understanding more of like their, their education background. Like for example, in Argentina and and for most of Spanish speaking, um, cultures like in Latin America, um, they don't go to a, 
the dentist on a regular basis. They go when there's pain. And as we know, once there's pain, that's too late the majority of the time. And so increasing their education to where we can talk about the benefits of, of prevention and help that become more common and well, well known, the, the better off that'll be to, to help that population. So I, I have a very special spot in my heart for Spanish speaking population. Um, and so I, I just love to, to help on with our care fair. I was just running around translating. We had 15 ops going at the same time. And I was just running around trying to help people and um, yeah, just help them feel like more comfortable. Um, it, it can be kind of a, a daunting experience, especially for people that haven't experienced it where it's not as common. Um, so I, I feel like that's uh, something that I'm, I'm very passionate about and I love to be involved whenever I have the opportunity. Matthew, I love that. You know, um, after I graduated hygiene school, I volunteered at Donated Dental, which is like in the Glendale area next to downtown, but like mm-hmm. not downtown, right? And I would go there probably one Friday a month and I just volunteered and they'd book a schedule for me and I would go and help their patients. And um, it, it was very rewarding. I remember getting, I have to tell you the story now, but I remember getting really frustrated because um, the woman had, she spoke Spanish and she brought her son with her to translate, but he was kind of being a jerk and wouldn't like help translate. And so I had told him, gosh, let me, how did I say it? I had said to this gentleman who like, I'm like, can you please tell her like, you know, gave the directions on how to take care of the denture and he like blew me off. And he said something like a little snarky to me. And I told him, if you're not going to help translate, you can leave the operatory because no one's paying me to be nice to you. <laughs> and <laughs> I am volunteering. <laughs> Joffrey, I just had an idea for a new line of t-shirts. <laughs> Joffrey quotes. <laughs> yeah, right. I kicked him out of my operatory because he wasn't helping. <laughs> Tell him to go wait in the lobby. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my goodness. <sighs> so then I had my second baby and I wasn't you, you really got to keep them in line Joffrey <laughs> <laughs> oh I'm so gosh. cute but I'll say some weird some some off-the-cuff comments once in a while you, you got to keep it interesting <laughs> <laughs> but anyways that uh that volunteering experience just sounds like a really good fit for you when you first graduate. I think you'd really enjoy that and you'd make a lot of connections there. I still have friends. Like when we do the conventions, um, Donated Dental always has a booth and their team's the same team that was there eight years ago. And they all remember me. Hi, Joffrey. And I'm like, hey, guys. And so they're just a really cool, cool group of people down there. Do they remember you as the hygienist that kicked people out? No, probably not. I, know. <laughs> I don't know how many people know that story. <laughs> it's a good I don't one. know. <laughs> <laughs> now a lot but, more. I, yeah, I'm full of surprises. Um, but Matthew, let's hear about you. Tell us, how do you balance being a hygiene student with the other aspects of your life? Um do you have any tips for aspiring dental hygiene students? Uh, yeah. I, so I actually, I feel like I'm a decent person to speak on this. I feel like I actually have something to say with, uh, with this question, <laughs> but that's good. So I, I work, um, as an assistant <laughs> and then I, I go to school full 
time. And so anytime I'm not in school, I'm working as an assistant. Um, and then after that, I coach youth basketball two nights a week. And I help out at my church's youth program once a week. So I, I have a very busy uh, schedule every week. And, and you're married. So I, something that's been super helpful is just, yeah, <laughs> which is great because then she can do yeah. all of the other things and just take care of me. <laughs> um, Teamwork no, makes it, the dream it's work. It's been great. Uh, well, and that's 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 what I was gonna say is that having a, a budget for your time and making sure that you're not wasting any time and it all has a purpose and you have like a certain allotted time for homework or for studying. Um, like actually meal planning was something that was like super helpful. It was just already having that set aside, having uh, your menu for the week. And then I know what I'm going to eat. Um, but just, yeah, planning, um, planning your day out and, and sticking to it, you know, having that, that schedule. And the other thing is when I'm at school trying to be as, um, effective as possible, sometimes like my, my classes are five hours long, whether that's clinic or didactic. So sitting in local anesthesia class for five hours, it can be a little mind numbing, um, at times Unintended. and so just trying to stay focused and, and continue to like do my weekly work while I'm in school, um, has been super helpful. So your, your classes are five hour blocks. Yep. What? <laughs> I've, I don't think ours were. Is it one day a week for each class? Or yeah, one day. How is that? Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Mind-numbing. Yeah. That's horrible. Wow, we had, like, a Monday <laughs> schedule, a Tuesday schedule, and, like, the teachers came in and out of the classroom. So it'd be, like, you have a pedo class for an hour, and then you'd have anatomy for an hour, and it just, like, rotated like that. I can't imagine sitting there for five hours on something. No. That's a very interesting way to run the schedule. Especially for anesthesia. That's, it, it is. That's a lot. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we, we, I will... we get really in-depth in septocaine. <laughs> <laughs> Which you will never do again in your life. <laughs> so. Um. Because my classes were so yeah. short, I would record the the ones I was struggling in, and then I'd re-listen to them over the weekend. But there's no way I would ever re-listen to a five-hour class. Mm -mm. That's ugh. yeah. No, we we don't have any of ours like recorded, so you just yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You kids and your recordings. Get out of here. Let's see. All right. I think we're we're at the future aspirations. So you you decided dental hygiene from dentistry. So some people would see that as a downgrade. We as hygienists don't see that as a downgrade. But what are you planning to do with your dental hygiene degree? Once you graduate from Fortis, are you sticking around Utah? Are you traveling, leaving us, continuing it, your education? What are you doing? Um, so there, there's, there's a lot of things. I have a lot of ambitions, but not a lot of direction. <laughs> so um, I'm looking into continuing my education. So Fortis is an associate's program. So I'll finish with my associate's degree. Um, and then I want to continue on 
uh, there's there's certain programs. I believe I, I was talking to the program director at Idaho State, and they're starting an associates to masters program. So I was looking into doing that to continue my education. Um, and then I I really want to. I don't I don't know if I'll I'll stick around in Utah for super long. Um, as I as I mentioned well earlier hinted to I eventually want to go on to, to own my own independent hygiene practice and to my knowledge which is limited uh, that is allowed in California Maine and Colorado at the moment and New Mexico um, so those will probably be one of one of those three places will be where I end up um what and new mexico i think they were honestly maybe one of the first in this oh really union. yeah we're actually going to be interviewing one of my friends um this week she'll be on a podcast and she's a a hygiene a, just a hygienist that owns her own practice and i have a few friends back in new mexico that do own their own practice and contract doctors to come work for them. So it, it, is it like a, a brick and mortar hygiene only practice? Because I, I know hygienists can own practices, but I, I want to like have just hygiene. No. Like Restorative. Um, I, you know, I'll be honest. I know. I've known of hygienists back in New Mexico that they owned the practice um, and it was dentistry as well as hygiene. Um, I can't speak for my friend Yvette or Deanna. Um, I know for a while um, Deanna was doing, um, she would have a dentist come and work for her. Um, but I think she just recently changed up her practice. So I'm not sure if she's still getting but i know brick and mortar um restorative and hygiene were present and then she would contract some specialists to come as well you're gonna have to stay tuned and awesome. listen to our next awesome. episode Matt. so maybe new mexico <laughs> yes yes i don't know how many years that's been allowed but i've been out of school 15 years and I want to say within my first couple years of practice, I remember um, another hygienist coming to the practice I was working at, asking the doctor if she could lease out space um, to own, to basically start, have her own practice. And I was like, what in the world? And I, and so it's been at least 12 years, um, if not 13, that that's been a thing in New Mexico. Wow. Anyway, back to your aspirations. Sorry yeah, for my the plug for my state. Some more. <laughs> no, I mean, that's, that's, that's part of it. Increasing the knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Matthew, we have two specific um, sign-off questions that yeah, we always so do. I, I wanna... Did he not tell us about all his aspirations? Did I just cut him off? Maybe. Matthew, tell us all oh, of no, your no, aspirations. No. I, that, I was just right. going to. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Um, no, not really. I, I think the other thing is just um, being involved in whatever hygiene association, whatever state I'm in. Um, something that I think is a blessing as a student is having more access to the association and being involved a little easier. Um, and so that's something that I want to continue to do is continue to be involved in the association and continue to help the profession grow and increase access to care to, to other people. But that's it. I'm done. <laughs> I think those aspirations are beautiful, Matthew. Yes. And we 
Amanda and I find you just so inspiring and we love the passion and drive that you have behind you. And, uh, I, I, and you're just like adorable. We love talking with you, hanging out. I am. I can't believe I get to say Matthew, the hygienist is my hygienist. (laughs) I'm just, we're really grateful to have you tonight and, Thank you for making time for us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was telling you there's two questions we always ask everybody at the very end, but they don't pertain to you yet because you haven't graduated. So I tweaked them just a little bit. And so, and I tweaked them, I think, before <laughs> you saw them. So I don't think you saw these yet. So anyways, I'm going to ask you, what is something that has just clicked in school as a hygiene student, that, like an aha moment that you were like, Oh, I get it now. Okay. Something that clicked. Oh, I would probably say, um, I I remember when I was first starting clinic and they first introduced instrumentation and clinician positioning and the clock positions, like, it wasn't super confusing to me, but at the same time, I was like 11 o'clock, 10 o'clock. I mean, it's pretty much the same thing. It's not a big deal. Um, and then at, like after working just, you know, the few months that I've been in clinic, I'm like, oh, it makes sense. If I'm not at 11 o'clock, if I'm not at eight or nine o'clock, I'm not gonna have the right angle i'm not gonna have the right adaptation um and so now it's like not even something that i i question anymore at first i was like i can just sit at 12 o'clock and do everything it'll be fine (laughs) and that's not not quite how it works every patient is different (laughs) and you know that (laughs) <laughs> ergonomics is so important too though or ergonomics yeah. is so so important but last week or right before my vacation I I had this patient we were doing scaling and root planing and she was just so numb she had this giant tongue she could mm. barely open her mouth up like the bite block I she, it couldn't even go in because she couldn't open wider than that so I found myself trying to clean the lingual of 30 and 31. And I could not see anything with that big tongue in my way. So being right-handed, I, I decided I would stand up and move over all the way to 3 o'clock. Animal. Now. Yeah, 3 o'clock. And I'm I'm trying and I'm fighting this tongue for dear life. I am just fighting this tongue with my mirror. Like it's hurting my hand just fighting the tongue. Anyways, I found myself having to get like so close to the patient. And then I'm like bending down because my chair is still over at nine o'clock. But now I'm at three o'clock. So and and I'm, I'm using the ultrasonic. So I'm on one knee is on the floor. One oh, foot is on the pedal. And I'm like <laughs> in there. And I'm like, if my instructors could see me with my knee on the floor oh, right now, God. this is totally embarrassing. But there was like <laughs> literally no other way to like see because that tongue was so big. I'm like, I can't <sighs> see a stinging thing. And this is a scaling and root planing case and she's numb and she can't, <laughs> it was just a, a mess. But um, you're absolutely right, Amanda. Every patient is different. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think I've ever gotten out of my chair and onto the floor. <laughs> I've definitely stood, but I've never like proposed to the patient before like that. <laughs> yeah, I did. I totally proposed to her. One foot on the ultrasonic, one knee on the ground. I was in there. <laughs> That's some skill, though. We got all the calculus out on that post radiograph. It looked beautiful. That's so. what it's about. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's one of those, like, do what I say. Don't do what I do things. You know, I'll say all day long how important ergonomics is. But once in a while, I'll catch myself <laughs> doing something yeah. a little strange. All right, Amanda, I will let you ask Matthew our very last question. Okay. 
Matthew, what piece of advice do you wish you could go back and give yourself on the first day of dental hygiene school? Um, give myself, well, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I think something that other people told me, um, that I probably didn't listen to as much as I could have and should have, um, is just like you get out like what you put in. And so Mm -hmm. if I want a top tier education, regardless of whatever issues we might have, a a lot of times, like my school has gone through a lot of change recently. Like we changed our dean of hygiene and the president of the college is changed. And so there's been like a lot of flex. And so sometimes I'll be like focused on that. I'm like, Oh, why didn't I go to like a different place that was more consistent and like they did have like so-and-so faulty equipment, like the Dagnodent doesn't work. Um, but that doesn't make my education, the effort that I put in um, of what I want to learn and my interactions with teachers and and students that the effort that I put into that is the quality of education I'm going to get. It's more dependent on me than it is on anyone else, I think. And I think that's something that I could have taken to heart a little earlier and something that I, I continue to have to remind myself is that it's not necessarily the place that I'm getting my education, but how I view my education and, and my, my interactions with others and how that's going to shape not only my time in, in school, but later on my professional connections and, you know, how I I work as a, a clinician and, and hygienist in the future. I think that is solid life advice. And I wish you were there to tell me that the first day of hygiene school back in 2005. Um, Cause I, I don't think I put in the work that I should have in hygiene school and that's nobody's fault, but my own. Um, but I think going with that perspective of you get out what you put in across the board, that's solid, solid advice for life. Um, so I, I agree with that. Absolutely. Great answer, Matthew. We love mm-hmm. that one. Um, I'm actually going to be at your school on Thursday doing a presentation for the senior cohort. So maybe I'll see you around. Yay. Mm-hmm. Oh. And hopefully my presentations keep no, going. No, Thursday though. I won't be there. Your class. Nope. Mm. Tragic. I will be there. And Matthew, I think we'll need to do a follow-up show like in a little later on. See what you're up to later on. Ask you a whole new set of questions. After graduation. Yeah, of course. All right. Well, Matthew, thank you so much for joining us tonight. All right. Oh, my, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It's it's been fun. <laughs>